Financial quarterback. You're, there you're you live. Go. Okay. Yeah, so it's from a, our studio. Exactly. So this is fun. Yep. And I've been really looking forward to this day, and I'm so excited that finally we caught up. You know, as a financial advisor, especially nowadays, it's very tricky because. I don't know about you, but I'm a little concerned. I'm a little worried about the financial situation, the economic situation. But before that, anyway, I just want to welcome our audience and our viewers and listeners. Thank you so much for being here with us. And we hope that we will add value to your lives. And if you have any questions for Josh or for me, feel free. I'm going to make sure that I post all the information about Josh because he has a radio show. And you know, I'm, I'm going to read a little bit on who he is, but as we continue, she, he will be telling us much, much more, okay? So let me just, and thank you, Josh. Welcome to thank your you studio. Thank you for joining. <laughs> to your studio. Thank you for, uh, for having us on your, on your new show. <laughs> and on your studio. Okay, so Josh, Josh Jelinski. So you have been honored to be selected as a five-star wealth manager as featured in New Jersey Monthly in 2012, 2013, 2014, and 2015. You were named as the Advisor of the Year finalist, top five in the country by Senior Market Advisor Magazine and was chosen for the top of the million dollar round table and Association of Financial Professionals. Josh, you were also, you also attained elite status in the top of the table for eight years. Only the top one-tenth of 1% 1 make this category, so congratulations. And you teach people how they may be able to lower risk, minimize taxes, and maximize wealth. Josh is the host of the popular Financial Quarterback, show heard every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. in WOR News Talk Radio, New York City, 7.10 a.m. and Saturday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. on 12.10 a.m. Also every Sunday from 9 a.m. 10 a.m. on 7.10 a.m. as well as 11 a.m. 12 p.m. and 3 to 4 p.m on 77 a.m. WABC. You yeah, we're on a lot. If you go, <laughs> if you go to your uh, podcast, okay. just search for the financial quarterback. There you go. And you can hear all the live shows if you miss one. Oh, perfect, so, perfect. Yeah. yeah. As you, you, you hear, he's a very busy man. So, you know, he has to really keep track and be busy because he's protecting many people's economic situation and lives. And so you have also been featured on Fox Business, CNBC, Comcast, CNN, CBS, US News, and other nationwide radio, internet, and TV due to your insightful financial commentary. And I know as it is written and as I have experienced that you are engaged in philanthropic work, supporting missionaries who go to some of the most dangerous places in the world to reach the unreached. You hold financial industry national regulatory authority and, and um, many licenses, 66 licenses. Josh is married to the love of his life, Beth, and he has two beautiful daughters. Yeah, yeah, is that a four? Four? Now we have four, four yeah. Four yeah, yeah. handsome sons. Yes, so. that, that needs to be updated. <laughs> it said three, I just had Billy a year ago, so. So as you see, even with family, his wealth keeps increasing. Yeah. So, so just, you know, if I'm, I'm also concerned about some um, um, caregivers because they have, you know, their responsibility to themselves and their immediate family, and yet they also are caring for their 
parents. So in general, whatever you can suggest to them to, you know, keep their lives going and not to be too, not to be really end up like in misery. The caregiver's misery or the person <laughs> who's suffering from health? Issues. Whichever you want to start first, because they're all well, interrelated. We have a holistic program. You're the quantum nurse, and we have a quantum approach to finances. It's very holistic. And think of before you build a castle, you want to have a moat filled with alligators. So I, I believe the whole caregiver issue there's two people you got to worry about the caregiver. And then those who need care, the caregiver, and I'll get into our whole program and how it's actually very similar. When I met you, I really was drawn to you, your energy, and the whole quantum philosophy, from my understanding of it, because it's very aligned with what we do, kind of whole person financial planning. Most financial planning addresses the symptom. And if you think about it, if people operate under a plane of greed or fear with their money, they make mistakes. So it's very similar when you know you talk about uh, various health ailments being rooted in. Uh, I, I don't know if you you should do a show on this. Have you done one on bitterness and anger and, and different ways? I want I want to hear that show. Don't yes. you all? So. You've talked with me about, okay, if, you know, I, I may be botching it, but if, you know, you're bitter, you know, your pancreas is off, or if, you know, you're the liver, the, the liver and then there's the kidney and the gallbladder, and there is truth to that. I've seen it in my own life, you know, people are off with certain things, their heart, or their, there's a holistic connection. Of course, there's medical ailments. But, but everything's rooted, I think, in the spirituality of all of life. And that has to do with money. But in related, go back to the caregiver questions. I want, I want to talk about your quantum stuff as it relates to my quantum money stuff. But the caregiver-caregiver relationship is so vital. Uh, and there's many different financial tips. Number one, the caregiver, I was talking to a dear couple a couple weeks ago. This was major couple came to me and the caregiver is now experiencing cancer and she was caring for her husband so much for 10 years that now she's sick and he's older mm -hmm. and far less healthy and not saying one is a result of the other but but she may not um we pray that she makes it but she's really uh, not doing well because she was a caregiver for so many years. So caregivers, and this is a couple that they are spiritually in the right place. They are holistic in their mindset, both health and wealth. But because they held on to wealth so much, I'm like, we'll call this couple Jane and Joe. That's not their real name. Jane, why do you have millions of dollars here? You have $2 million, and why won't you use some of that money to care for your husband? Give yourself a break. Exactly. So I, I saw this woman, and she was at the grocery store in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, buying groceries for her family. She could have hired somebody to do it, and now she's going through a very difficult moment. So the caregiver... Number one tip for caregivers, get long-term care insurance. When you're young, before you have an ailment, get life insurance or long-term care. It's well worth the investment. Number two, if you don't, can't afford long-term care insurance, you can get an annuity with a long-term care rider for in-home care. And why am I talking about money with the caregivers? I find the caregivers will often be stingy with their own money. They don't want to lose it. And they'll say, oh, I don't want to pay a life insurance premium. And then they, they shorten their own lifespan because they're 
taking care of the caregiving. And then the caregiving, I think uh, from a financial perspective, we've seen a lot of people do well and poorly going to facilities. So maybe make a financial plan where you hire somebody to just live with you, take care of you, you know, pay, whatever, hire somebody for 40 grand a year, 50 grand a year. You don't necessarily, sometimes you need medical help. Sometimes you need help with groceries, you know, cleaning up the house and all that stuff. I, you know, the, the story that you just shared, it's really, um, it's not an isolated case. It's a very common story. And, uh, that, and yeah, we don't know if uh, it's not that the, the caregiving caused the illness to the caregiving, but it's just that when there, there's, there's no break for them, mm -hmm. all right, then it's chronic stress, just like anything else. And as you said, you know, like we're all, we, stress is common. We can never get rid of it. But if we are chronically stressed and the stress means how we respond to it, then it's really crazy. Mm -hmm. So like just before you, before we started, I had a phone call of this lady because she said she don't want the home health aid. I said, but we just started to take care of you. And it's less than a month, but I can't afford it. I said, yes, you can afford it because it is your health and you're gonna mm -hmm. end up, you've been falling many times. So if you don't wanna keep doing that, just at least give it a month. So after a while, mm -hmm. so she said, okay, we're gonna, be, we're going to decrease your care because she don't want the Monday to Friday anymore. She wants to, but, it, but the main situation is for the last year, mm -hmm. she lost like 60 pounds. Mm -hmm. So, so I said, I have some to give her. <laughs> so yeah, um, it, it, and, and, and that's why I have, I wanted you to be my guest because financial security, management, whatever you call it, it's really part of being healthy because one just affects the other. Okay. And yeah, so, marriages, I mean, how many marriages they say end in divorce? Number, what is that? Money, the number one cause of most marital spats. So to me, that's the one good thing. Uh, uh, a divorce? No, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm uh, happily married to the love of my life. I've, I've not really had money fights with that. I don't, we don't, we don't fight about money. We nice. fight about other things, but not money. <laughs> nice. Um, I don't know why that is. Well, probably she trust me with money, I guess, because I'm a financial quarterback. But uh, I, I was, you were saying something that was so good and it reminded me of something. What were you just saying? Because it was good. I, 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 I was just saying that, it, you know, financial health is really part of being healthy. Mm -hmm. So that's one. And the, yeah, the, and marriage is uh, ending. Oh, no, that was. Marriages end due to money issues. So you have all these connected issues, health, spirituality, money, um, the caregiver, caregiving relation. Oh, this is what I was thinking of. You're talking about some people falling. Had a guy, he fell, he died six months later. Had a woman who lived many years after a fall and was never the same after a fall. One fall could change your life. And it's interesting because how do I know that? I have so many clients who are over the age of 55, 60. They'll fall at 78 being in a wheelchair for the last seven years of their life. I mean, so, but when it comes down to it, people are cheap. People are stingy. And rather than hiring a home health aide to help them, then they fall and they die. I mean, how many people, you know, you hear that so-and-so fell off a ladder trying to change the light bulb. And then now they're, they're dead and who's spending all their money? Their kids, their grandkids. It's, it's, it's like uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible, vanity is vanity. These people, they hoard what they have, you know, whatever it is. They don't spend it on their health. They don't spend it on a health aid or a caregiver and then they end up losing it all or they leave it all to somebody who just spends it on you know, some kid or nephew or grandkid, and they don't appreciate it. So how do you manage when you see that in your client? I mean, how do you explain It's tough. It? It's, it's very, um, 
I'm sure you handle it. How do you, I mean, you probably can persuade people better than I can. I mean, I use, uh, I kind of use more of a shock and awe technique. You know, do you want to die? I mean, do you want to, I mean, do, I mean, not to be, do you want to fall off of a ladder because you're so cheap to hire somebody to help you? But it really is a stinginess problem. I, I think most financial problems can be related to fear or greed. Just think about the coronavirus crisis six months ago. People sold low when they should have kept. And they lost, uh, somebody I know, they sold everything they had in March. And they lost 50%, 30%, 40% of everything they had because of greed, really, or fear taking over. And so, Controlling and regulating, and, and I mean, maybe I'm more talking about this because I know you're a spiritual person with quantum nerves, but I think fear and greed are the two biggest problems with financial plans. People just, oh, I missed out on whatever, Tesla. So they pour into it when it's too late. And then they lose money again, and then they sell at the wrong times. They buy at the wrong times. It's very... As you said, you know, what we do is very similar, it's just maybe even the same, it's just different terms, even though they use terms, because it's very holistic. It's the same thing as in, uh, in health, some, the, the underlying, and even in the indigenous culture, they will say that the main, the primary illness is fear. Because once mm. people get scared of like something or they, they, they like, if they have one symptom and then they think they're, they, it's already a, uh, how do you call it? That's the, the diagnosis that's like the end of their life because when they're diagnosed with something and they think that's already, uh, that, that's it. They can change it. That's mm -hmm. from fear. And then if they hear that their family members uh, uh, have, or they have history in their family of dementia or family of breast cancer, it's good to know that. But mm -hmm. then when you are scared, it, everything in your system goes down as well, your immune health. Mm -hmm. And so now also, and it's really interesting that people acted right away on selling things in March mm -hmm. or in early. And was, you know, I know it's really been the most challenging, I think, is more on the financial that rather than the health, you know, what's mm -hmm. happening. So in here now, again, with the immune health, people are so scared, they don't want to spend money for for something you know they're concerned so i don't know but th we must be able to help them some way or mm. some form so like um and didn't you also do you still have your uh, webinars because you're still doing webinars yes we're doing for any of the quantum nurse watchers calls at 888-988-JOSH 888-988-5674. We'll give you a free webinar and a 27-point ultimate financial game plan, which holistically looks at your protection, your savings, and your growth. And much like you look at people's health holistically, we want to look at the protection, what asset protection steps, because what good is your wealth if you lose it to a health illness, to a disability to, I mean, so many people, my father, you, you were mentioning, you were mentioning uh, people who have this self-fulfilling prophecy. My father always thought he would die young and he died. It was the oldest living male Jelinski, I think, but he died 16 years after he thought he would. And if he would have taken better care of his health, he probably would have had another 10 years. So, he was just depressed about his health, so he just ate his bowl of Briar's vanilla ice cream. But he had a good time. I remember. So, yeah. And I know you and him are extremely close. Yeah, and this, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he's a great guy. So, uh, he's with the Lord now, but we miss him. So, um, so yeah, the, the holistic protection, savings, and growth, protect what you have from health, I mean, health is so connected to money. People, how many people you hear? I mean, every day I hear the story. Last week, I was at a funeral, a young man, 
died, left a daughter and a wife. And, you know, I don't know how much life insurance they have. But so many people don't have enough life insurance or disability insurance or long-term care insurance. They think it's just a pure cost, but I don't view it as a pure cost. I view those things as liberation so you can enjoy the present. Meaning when I started building my company, I got life insurance, disability insurance, so that I could pour myself into my work, but also go on vacations while my kids were young. It was very critical that if I died and was disabled, they were okay. I'd rather have less for retirement kind of, and make sure I'm living and enjoying the present a little bit and have my kids and wife taking care of if I'm gone. So to me, I call that the principle of economic certainty. There are three things certain in life, taxes, death, and, dis and, and usually health ailments as you age. And you can insure against all three of those things. The only thing you can't really insure against, I guess, would be the loss of a job. So you need to have a, a moat of some cash six months in the bank to weather that. But you can protect yourself from death disability from a financial standpoint. And then I poured myself into my family and my work. And it, it's been um, because of that principle of economic certainty, and I encourage everybody don't you, it's, it's sort of like what you do with all the pills you have me buy. Uh, we're all my quantum stuff. I got to get my quantum. Did you tell people about this stuff or no? Not yet. Not yet? Oh, they know oh, they good. Yeah. Grace is my, uh, Grace is my, I got my Alice Sidon. Got my, so, so people do not understand, you know, there is a cost. The cost of not taking your health taking care of your health is worse than the cost of taking care of your health. Same thing with your wealth. I'm in Univen, so I can ward off coronavirus, got my aller caps, I don't know. We're not saying anything uh, diagnosed as a cure or whatever. But it's um, good stuff. So thank you for that, Grace. But it's really true because I meet a lot of people from all ages, they're very passionate and they have great ideas to really help and to add values. And maybe 50% of the people I meet, but their health is not as good. So what good is your, all your passion if you're going to shorten your life mm -hmm. or maybe subconsciously or not, but it's just wonderful that it, like for me, it was, I was still young when I saw already a healthy child. I saw already healthy children in the picture in my mind. So because of that, and I was surrounded with families who were sickly. So I said mm -hmm. to myself, I'm going to make sure that I take this and I'll kind of change the pattern of my family history. So that's me too. I've that. Tell me about that also in terms of the finances, because you have a great family story of why didn't you weren't you in a theological school yeah, okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah. tell us about that. theological school so i was i always had interests in god and money and jesus talks more in the bible about money than he does i think even heaven or hell because yeah. money is a money's a vehicle it means nothing I mean, it, it does in a way that it's our energy, it's the produce of our labor, but you could be fine without money. Uh, but it's really your treasure, and there's that Bible verse, where your treasure is there will your heart be also, and money is a tool to bless other people. So there was a connection, and in seminary, I was recruited out of seminary to be a financial advisor. And I saw so many people, my own life, um, our, my family struggled, with their health and with their wealth. And I saw so many problems that could be solved with financial education, health education too. Um, and I remember listening to some infomercial on the radio. I was 21 or 20. I used to drink a lot of milk all the time. I saw cream in my coffee. 
love my cream and my coffee. I'm not going to give that up for you. Not yet. I could see, I could see the baby. So, but I have, uh, but I used to drink a lot of milk. And the, the, the guy said, don't drink as much milk. Try to cut it out. I, to this day, have not, I don't drink milk anymore. I have no real desire for it. And my allergies improved dramatically. So there's little things you can do, but same thing with your health and same thing with your wealth. There's a little thing you can do, okay. Well, what if I'm poor and I'm just starting out? Well, save 10% of your paycheck. And people say, oh, I don't want to save 10% of my paycheck. Save 15, save five. Oh, I don't want to save because whatever. I'll never amount to anything. You know, it's just like self-fulfilling prophecies in their health. You know, oh, I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to die when I'm young. Well, you know, you don't have to. You can sort of break the cycle of financial mismanagement of debt. People don't need that much to live, you know, and that yet they waste so much on stupid stuff that doesn't matter. You know, a new phone every, you know, so many years or. What did your father say about that? Because he was sure he was surprised that uh, wasn't he also like a missionary? He. Um, my father was a banker, it's very interesting. And he was a missionary uh, for a period of time. And he worked at America's Keswick, which is a Christian drug and alcohol rehab center. So basically, we, uh, he, he was happy that I started my business. My mother was a little annoyed at first. She wanted me to be a, a missionary or a pastor or something. She thought it was cut out to do that. But I minister to more people, I think, with their finances. So we never go into a church where we help them. Well, so, perfect. so is George? Have you told your your viewers about George? <laughs> no. You should do a whole. <laughs> you should do a whole show on George. <laughs> George is one of a kind. He's prompting us about a question. I think he has a question. George has a question from a question from the audience. <laughs> Ask about. Ask about. Outlook in financial. Okay, what is the outlook on the economy? Oh, the economy. How <laughs> do you really want to know? I, I don't believe it's good. <laughs> uh, my short-term outlook, but I think it's sort of, it's very interesting. It's, it's, people wanted the market to crash in March. And, and they're similar to, to the quantum energy and all that stuff. When people want there to be, the, be a crash, there will be a crash. And the market is sort of the collective fear or greed of everybody. So if I was a betting person today, uh, I would not do anything today by the result of my predictions. Uh, I would go seek a financial advisor, get a plan, hopefully you seek us. But because it has to be protection, savings, and growth. Meaning if you have term insurance, permanent insurance, disability insurance, long-term insurance, 12 months cash in the bank, you could go through a downturn in the economy and be okay. You know what I mean? If you, have, if you have cash, what I call, I have a book called The Retirement Reality Check. If any of your listeners buy the book, go to retirementrealitycheck.com. We'll give you three free gifts when you buy the book. Three. <laughs> Um, but the thing that I think is telling about the economy, I see both fundamental and technical analysis signaling that we may be in for a high somewhere in the later part of this month. So I'm worried that we will have a significant recession from about 2021 to 2022, 23 due to coronavirus, due to Main Street being really shut out, you know, the big companies will probably survive. I hope I'm wrong. I think we could turn it around, but I'm uh, concerned about the election, concerned about what that means for taxes and tax increases. When you increase people's taxes, the economy contracts. So we'll see, but um, I'm not that short term, I'm not, I'm not that hopeful. Uh, I could see a pullback November, December, 
And I could see the bull market resume. Like, like if people want to see the silver lining, I mean, our business has survived with COVID. We're doing more on webinars. So I believe the world can be more productive. So there's a silver lining in all this that if we, uh, we had Kevin O'Leary on my radio show uh, from Shark Tank, and he was talking about how all these big tech companies are now not going to have to take, uh, they're not going to have to take these large pieces. So that's going to make them more profitable. So that could be a good thing for the economy. He was thinking all these warehouses. There's a shortage. See, this is where if we have positivity and optimism, this can be a whole bull market, right? You're going to have all these empty malls. They could be housing for all these people who need housing because now there's a housing shortage. So I could see the bull market. We've got a 10 year bull market. I could see it last another two years or I could see it be done in two weeks. The market is very frail and we are advocating what we call a more tactical approach, which means the old things of sitting your money, putting in stocks, letting it alone, or putting it in index funds, letting it alone. We believe uh, that has to change for the next couple of years until we weather the storm as a nation. But the, but the negatives are tax policy potentially if we have a, you know, election changing the results. We have, I mean, it used to be that Democrats and Republicans used to fight and say, oh, we're going to lower your taxes. Oh, we're going to lower it. Now they say we're going to raise your taxes. And that's not good. Taxation is theft. It's taking from another's produce. It's not really, I don't believe in taxation, but we got to do it or else we end up like Wesley Snipes. But I'm more, uh, I guess, libertarian on my view of taxes. But so short-term outlook negative, uh, but it could change if companies, uh, like our company, we went to mostly virtual meetings and we're, we're, we're uh, much more productive actually, we found. Because I would meet with somebody like you or our buddy George and we would go on for hours and then people forget what you say <laughs> and I, I was with a couple before this, and they said, oh, last time we talked, you just, you know, went over my head. Because we talked almost too long. So the nice thing about the, the uh, webinars we offer, listeners at 8 at 8, 9 at 8, Josh, or viewers, is they're crisp. It's like 45 minutes. You record it? Um, no. Maybe we should. Yeah, that'd be fun. Because yeah. then if they... None of you will forget. Yeah. You could ask permission if you, if sure. you record. Sure. Then that might be good. But I find that people like CRISPR meeting 30 to 45 minutes to an hour max, where songs that would go on, um, and then people would forget what they talked about. So I'm finding that we're thriving with the new virtual world. I could see uh, one thing. We, we could see on the horizon, this is part of my economic outlook, is I see two trends that could, could really change the economy for good. Number one, if we converted all the malls and warehouses, so there will be no JCPenney's or Macy's in a few years. They'll be out of business. So what are we going to do with all that mall space? That could be, you know, trendy, like hipster city life. You know, you could have a pharmacy, doctors, and you could have all these cool apartments, and it could be like a, a virtual city. And then you, that could create virtual businesses. Will it do it? The other thing, um, cloud kitchens are popping up. I don't know if you've heard this, where you could make an order and then your food will arrive in a minute, or not, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. So if you think about DoorDash, DoorDash is, you know, has grown dramatically, people are at home due to COVID and they're saying, hey, I want my food, boom. Imagine if you could have cloud kitchens of really wholesome, holistic, good food, boom, right away, well-made, tastes good. I think all of that could be on the horizon. I don't know when, but I could see, you know, old Toys R Us's becoming like this cloud kitchen experience. And so retail will die but it will be reimagined. 
you know, so, so you'll have these little imprint stores where people can go and they could, you know, more of the experience, you know, I, I, so there is, there are bright spots in the economy. I see cloud kitchens could see, um, new methods of housing because there's a housing shortage in, in the country now. That's a good thing, actually. Yeah, and also I was thinking about all those entertainment places, you know, where they do a lot of concerts. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, wow, what a waste for now. But eventually, I guess, yeah, someone will be creative enough. And I, should, I can see what you're talking about. Yeah, virtual reality, augmented reality. Are we 10 years away from that? Probably. And that, that may be, we may have a lost decade, like 2000 to 2010 was a lost decade for stocks. If you put your money in the S&P 500 at the beginning of that decade and you held it, you would have lost a bunch in the middle. If you just stayed with it, you would be break even. And that's not that good. That's why it's called the lost decade. We could have a period of years like that. So you gotta embrace tactical money management. That would be my tip uh, for investors in light of the economic outlook, which we consider sort of bleak. So what do you do if you're bleak? Well, um, we, we follow trends. So if the trend is up in the tech companies, you might buy an ETF that has the big tech companies. But you don't want to be in there forever because it could turn south quick. You want to be able to go out to cash, go to gold. We're not trying to time the market. What we, we are trying to do is if we see warning clouds on the horizon, maybe be a little more conservative. Well, how about these uh, digital currencies as our future? I, I don't how know. That are happening now at some point. Do people have to panic right away now? You know, I, I, it seems like the, the, the environment is perfect for people to see financial advisors, just like, sure. you know, when there was the first announcement of the COVID. So yeah, talk to professionals like me or other people. So this perfect time. So they don't be fearful. So I guess the same thing as that. But then what's the same on? thing? I mean, I'm worried about the death of the dollar, but I don't think the dollar will be worth less. I think it will just be worth less over time due to money printing and the national debt, our dollars will be worth less. Um, you know, I, some are into crypto. I'm more into, you know, I have maybe five or 10% in gold. I, I don't, crypto to be a replacement to the dollar, I'm not against the technology, you don't see it as, you need something that holds a stable value. And Bitcoin's like, you know, whatever, 10,000 bucks of Bitcoin. I don't know if, if that's our, I actually think the Fed will replace our dollars with their own crypto so they can manipulate it. But, you know, uh, I don't think they'll give that authority to, to Bitcoin. I, would, I love the idea, though, of Bitcoin in having sort of a libertarian currency that is not um, tied to any central bank manipulation because all of a sudden now we're going to print money. Do you know the Fed gave money to ETS in March? They just bought, they're just buying things. They bought like some astronomical amount of corporate bond funds because nobody wanted to buy them in March. But then we rebounded, so they should take that money back. Why didn't they pay that money back? You know, it's like very, very odd. So that would be an argument for crypto. I mean, I like more traditional stuff. You know, if you want to have one to 5% of your portfolio in crypto, you know, that's fine as a hedge. One to 5% in gold. I mean, we have a whole, you know, I don't know what you would call them. You could go 5% gold, 5% crypto, 90% more traditional. And you'll be better than most people probably in an end of cash scenario. You just won't see an end of cash. Like you'll see like the, all of a sudden there's no more coins. What happened to the coin? I'm going to 
use all the coins that I have now. Where are they? I don't know. You tell me. Like, I, I think they just they take them. Did they say we're not going to circulate them? They recycle it. And, and I'm amazed that our country is just letting that happen. Oh, well, no coins. I'm presuming no, no dollar. Because you can't manipulate a physical currency. It's there. So that's the nice thing about crypto, I guess. But um, I, I think by the time, you know, it, it, it will be the reserve currency, I think the Fed will have its own crypto type. I think what's coming next is Fed coin. Just watch it. It'll be, so the coins will be replaced by an app on your phone. Oh, you want coinage? You know, because because you functionally need change, right? So you'll boop, like your iPad. I love iPad, but that's the kind of getting us wired. I don't know who us is. So, so tell me, what makes you successful? Or what's your secret for success? Because mm -hmm. for me, you're successful. You're young and you have this profitable or successful career that you're helping yourself and you're helping others. And then you have another employee that, of course, all of you as a team. So, you know, uh, well, as others who may be of the same age as you are, are still struggling. Yeah, I, I, I think what, what's been the key to my success is my faith, my family, and financial discipline. So, I mean, other people are struggling. Um, a lot of people my age are struggling financially. So why am I different? I think I'm blessed by God. I don't, not to be like I'm this great guy. I, in my 20s, I didn't screw around. I was pretty much a faithful guy who went work till. I think people spend their 20s chasing women or men or possessions. And your 20s is your time that you could work. I mean, when I was 20 to my 30s, I could work from like 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I'm not that old. But I just, um, after I hit a certain age, I said, I got to sleep in a little bit because I kind of work late. So I put the kids go to bed, I'll try to work out, I'll eat a little bit, shouldn't eat past a certain hour, but I'll, I'll eat something. Eat a lot, because I don't eat during the day. Um, but basically, I need about seven hours of sleep now. I didn't, I didn't need that before. I, I must have seven hours of sleep. I have to, or I'm not. not. But I could go three, four hours a night when I was in my 20s. And I was, it didn't really phase me that much. So I think people from 20 to 30, that's the time you get your degrees, you bank serious cash, and you buy your insurance as young as you're cheaper. You, you just pound money away like a chipmunk. And what the traditional mode it is, uh, and my faith just taught me that that wasn't what life was about, partying, drinking, doing whatever, carousing. Not that I don't have fun, I love that fun. We have a good Christmas party every year that you go to, and we have a blast. So to me, I think my faith was crucial to my success because my 20s were spent learning my craft, honing my craft. By the time I was 28, I was nominated to be one of the top five advisors in the country. And I'd earned it. I mean, I really knew a lot about finances and I didn't fake it. You know, when, you're, when I was like 22, 23, you kind of you know, know as much. Uh, but even when I was 22, 23, I would stay at 2 a.m. studying. So if I didn't know a question, I would research it. My clients were very analytical people. They appreciated that. So it's a faith, because my faith governed me. That's coming. George is holding up the honesty sign. Yes, I'm honest to a fault. Thank you, George. Um, but that's due to the faith. You know, meaning I believe that my higher judge is God. You hear about these people who 
take people's money or Madoff or those whole scams. Uh, and my highest judge is God. So faith, I think, governs it all. Family governs your priorities. I was very blessed to come from a great family where they were all my biggest cheerleaders and love my kids and wife. And, and the, the highest praise would be hopefully, you know, when my kids are old, they, they love me still. And then uh, business discipline, I didn't spend money on stupid stuff. I, I was frugal. We're still frugal with how we spend uh, our money. We don't buy, you know, marble floors for the office, although maybe someday, but you know, too many people are attracted to what the appearance of success is. And I got to meet a lot of young uh, millionaires when I was growing up in the business. And most of them drove like a Honda Civic or a Toyota Corolla or a, you know, a very frugal car. And, and um, my whole twenties, I, I had a Honda Civic. I drove, I think, three hundred thirty thousand miles into the ground, and it was instrumental in my success. And I drove my other car another ten years before I splurged a little bit on my car now. But uh, I was very fortunate to know what true success was, which is financial discipline, saving, frugality. Um, we used to have an office. This is when we first started making money. And our office was no bigger than this room. And, and I would pack like seven people in a very small office. And I had maybe an office for clients and an office for staff. And it was very small. It was 1433 Hooper. And the rent was very cheap, so we kept our client fees low. And basically, uh, people would be like, what? why would I give you my money? You're in like the shoebox. But people entrusted us with their funds and very grateful for that. But frugality, so faith, family, frugality, and George's honesty. For, for, faith, family, uh, frugality, and honesty. So how do you see the business five, ten years from now? I don't know. Well, I hope, well, I think we will be, my hope is a billion dollar company. We'll have over a billion dollars in management in five to 10 years. Uh, the financial quarterback will continue to grow, be a household name. I think what we do is unique from almost any other financial company I've ever met in that we are embedded in the life of our clients. We, we really love all of our clients. And we don't love a client, we might, you know, question. You know, I, I think client love, treating everybody like a family is, and I don't think that exists in any financial firm, and I would want that to exist in a national firm. So so we're, we are national, we have clients all over the country, all over, all over the world now, but uh, I think we would become even bigger, uh, Lord willing, you know, Fight by uh, uh, so I think I hope so. Well, how about your philanthropic yeah. you know, events or your interest right now? Because you were you had one mission work before, is that still the same? Can you speak more on that? Well, we um we do a lot of stuff with missionaries who go to where no one wants to reach, and so one of the things we gave to was. There was a Sunday massacre in, what was that place called? Sri Lanka. And they bombed the church. Kids got shrapnel all over them. Many kids died. You may remember that. It's like the Easter massacre. Uh, terrorists uh, went in, um, I believe Islamic terrorists, went in, blew up this church. It was just sad. So our idea is to go to unreached places and just love up on people. And uh, we were also instrumental in helping women. There was a whole people group that was just wiped off in case of that, the Yazidi genocide. A lot of people don't know about the Yazidis. They were, uh, ISIS was trying to wipe them out. Nobody cared about them. 
we cared about them. We didn't even get, this was so many years ago, um, President Trump took an interest, kind of bombed out ISIS, but a lot of the international community before that kind of said, ah, eh, we're gonna let, we're not going to interfere in uh, foreign entanglements. And, and that is the thing I worry about is that we're, the whole world is getting so isolationist, everybody's trying to protect themselves. But with these whole groups of country, women being, you know, slaughtered, raped, um, burn, they literally burn their faces so they weren't raped. We take lighter folks. And we help a lot of these women um, get a new start in life. And, you know, $500 go, goes a long way over there. And um, we tried to rescue certain women through charities we gave to. So my goal for our company is to give, to try to give 10% of our, our income to people that nobody will go to. Because it's firmly my belief, you know, we can say, okay, we don't like these terrorists or all these people, but if, if nobody's out there spreading the love to those people, like what hope do they have? So these refugee camps, you know, people who just live in refugee camps, they have no hope. So they're easy recruits for terroristic organizations. So one thing we did is uh, there's women who were, were captive, captured by ISIS. They've since been recovered. It's about five to 10 women. Uh, you could go on the website. I'm gonna to try to go on it right now. It's called Yazidi Art. And you can buy their art. So there are these women who were captured by ISIS. This is crazy. Healing through art, life after genocide. So there are seven women who started painting and forced to live in a tent in a camp. Like, who helps these people? So the idea is you go there, you buy some of the art of these women, and it can help them start a new life. Uh, so there's all these artists. This is one. There's a lot of different charities we get to. But I, I love this one because basically um, they um, quite disturbing images. It's of, like a reflection of their experience. Uh, yeah, it's heartbreaking. And basically, they were held for a number of years violated in many times and um yazidiart.com go there it's a great um ministry to give to and these are just some um it's an interesting sect they're neither christian nor islamic and apparently you know people wanted to wipe them out so then nobody i mean there were never there weren't many news stories about them so anyway, philanthropic is, is very critical to us. And then it's all what money's about, you know, to give to other people, help other people, bless other people. Well, the more that I understand about the power of money, especially when it comes to being able to help other people, the more that I really appreciate that, you know, I don't want to work hard for it. So yeah. that, you know, yeah. It really adds more values. And it seems like even when like for me, since I always study and invest on myself, I don't mind paying for someone who's helping me grow more, you know, because that's my investment for myself. I'll, I'll make sure that later perhaps I could make, I'll get the, the uh, web address and I'll include that in your description, okay? Um, so what else would you, if, is there anything that you would want to change in your life? If there's one thing. If I want to change in my life, uh-oh. Um, uh, couple things. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, would like to lose a few pounds. Like to be a little less stressed. I take in a lot of the stresses of life. And I always want to be a great husband and dad. So always uh, would love to do that. So.
So always need improvement being a better person. So Okay. Because you're already a great dad and you're a great husband. Yeah. So but you're right. You you can always get You're always now, but you're always you know, just showing love to others when you're not in the mood or when you're not um you know generally it would be personal you know not letting things easily get to you you know and that will decrease your stress and oh yeah yeah i don't know i don't know how to do that you gotta give me some of the quantum quantum juice <laughs> i we did bring certain yeah, supplies for so, you so that you, you could fun. really like relax yourself and because it's a busy time for you as well so if there's a what i know you did you gave a lot of tips already and advice but give, give again a young man listening to us right now or a young woman well number one make sure you have enough life insurance equal to 20 times your salary so if you make 50 grand a year, try to get a million dollar term policy to provide for your family. If you have no money, you're just starting out. But get a term that's convertible to permanent insurance because cash value insurance grows tax-free and you can pull it out tax-free. That's another benefit in the tax code. Set up a Roth IRA so that way money builds tax-free into the future. Also look at getting disability insurance. People can be wiped out by disability. And so life insurance, disability insurance, Roth IRA, uh, don't forget the company match. If your company's giving you three or 6% in your 401k, take advantage of it. Make sure you have six months of your expenses in the bank and do not keep up with the Joneses. That's the biggest way to wealth for a number of years, just living frugally and You'll be a success. Also look at tactical money management. We talked about that. Uh, that that's more for people who've acquired some money. Um, what else? Be tax smart. Look at tax smart investing. A lot of stuff. Well, is there anything that really made you sad or depressed you know, in your past years, young man or now? It's like, what's your deepest pain? Oh my deepest, I have a lot of pains, but uh, I don't know, probably losing my daughter and my nephew and my parents four years in a row. That was a rough patch. And thank you and George for being there. That was, uh, that was very kind. You, you two were very supportive. That's probably my roughest. But they're with the Lord and I'm happy for them, but I miss them. So. And what makes you really happy? The Lord, when I can just be with God, that's a nice thing. Um, being in nature, going to Hawaii, going surfing, going in the water. I love being in salt water, just the air. Um, being with my wife, a hug for my wife. <laughs> and kids is... Uh, you have beautiful kids. Yeah, yeah, they're the best. They all have blonde hair. Yes. Yeah. Well, how about last few words for the caregivers? The caregivers. Well, caregivers, take care of yourself. Without taking care of yourself, financially and health-wise, you could be ending up worse than the person you're giving care to. Um, consider life insurance with a long-term care rider. Consider building cash storage as a volatility buffer for uncertain times. And spend some of your money too, maybe to get a break. You know, maybe the, the caregiver should chill out a little bit and hire a home health aide to come in. I had somebody that Somebody, it, this is a big problem now. I, I'm seeing it even more and more in my practice. Somebody's spouse has cancer or whatever. They got two million bucks. It's a lot of money. Spend 50 grand a year for three years to hire a caregiver for your loved one dying of cancer so you could really enjoy that person in the last six months. I think of my mom's last months. We didn't really enjoy her because we were so busy trying to get her well 
it was like, you know, we didn't, you know, I miss her. So, uh, well, that's, a, that's a great advice. Because yeah. if you have that much money, then, you know, it may, it's bad enough that if you don't have the money, then you really have to look for some benefits. Well, if you don't have the money, this is a good tip. If you don't have the money, find a good state. I mean, I know New Jersey is pretty generous. So we're very bad from a tax perspective, but I believe it's a very good state if you are struggling financially and you need help on healthcare. Because I think my grandmother, who was broke, she had pretty much care around the clock with home health care and then hospice and wasn't perfect, but it, it's better than and, and someone may they may need to have to see a financial advisor because sometimes they hold on to something and it's not really beneficial anymore to mm. in, enjoy the benefits that oh, yeah. the state has. So having for them to see or to consult someone like you. Not starting early enough. I mean, you need to start at 70, 68, 72, because people wait till they're 85 to do planning. You try to give all the money to kids and then the nursing home comes back, they call money after them. Where if you set up the plan now, would you rather want all of your money going to a nursing home or a caregiving facility or to have a plan where you have an insurance policy that pays for a nurse? So you don't have to go in a nursing home. I mean, that's with COVID people dying in nursing homes. Oh, I mean, some of it was due to not knowing what it was and how to treat it. But people, you didn't hear many people dying in their homes who were older. And some due to the isolation and depression. A lot of people in their 80s, 90s now are depressed. Nobody's visiting them. Yeah, and they're really scared. They're really fearful. Sometimes they get desperate already. And yeah, that, that Well, we let our grandmother hang out with us. She's 85 and it was good for her. Yeah. She, she really, um, after a couple months, then we were a little uh, less fearful that we would hurt her. So then we, and it made her day. We spent a week with her in end of June. And she, you know, she said, this is somebody who's totally healthy. You know, I mean, she might have some issues, but maybe thought that I'd rather die than go through isolation of COVID again. So and there's a lot. It's all, it's all connected. So that, that family relationship again makes a much it makes a big difference, mm. you know, rather than being isolated. Because I'm imagining your dad, I think, you know, even if he said what in the 60s or something that he's going to die early, but because he was around you, yeah, it, kids. He lived much longer than he thought. And I do think in part because he was such a good grandfather. And he was very involved in my kids. I feel like it gave him 10 extra years of his life. So tell them where you, they can contact you or what the book. Okay, the book's The Retirement Reality Check. If you buy the book today, go to retirementrealitycheck.com. There are three free gifts for you. Or you can call us at 888-988-JOSH, 888-988. Josh, 888-988-5674. And just mention Quantum Nurse when you call and we'll give you a free gift for scheduling your uh, free webinar. And the webinar, by the way, is a one-on-one -on -one thing. I want to be clear. Our webinar is like we're talking to you. It's not like you and 30 people. So when I say webinar, it's really a one-on-one -on -one consultation. So you, you have no, no one's there to hear about your financial life. It's all private so and it's really tailored and individualized program mm -hmm. so that, that just does and the same similar to um, what we do with the quantum reflex analysis testing so it becomes tailored okay exactly right so thank you so much but before we end i want to share this quantum affirmation i have these cards that i shuffle and it's like my prayer and meditation so like today, just before I came, I said, I put the intention in a prayer that let me have oh, the message that I could share for Josh and oh, no, then the stopped. listeners. Oh no, it stopped recording. And the viewers. <laughs> so, but anyway, my, my 
computer is still recording on the other side. Oh, good. <laughs> so, okay. So, it's okay, all right. We'll we have a backup. What, what, yeah, well, we'll see how yeah, this is. all right. Okay. It said, we call that resistance. Yes. It's okay. It's all right. So, it says overcoming fear. So, I'm not afraid whatever situation arises, I will get through it with my own inner strength. I am powerful. And I say this three times. I am not afraid whatever situation arises, I will get through it with my own inner strength and I am powerful. I am not afraid whatever situation, situation arises, arises, I will get through it with, with my own inner, inner strength, strength and I am powerful. powerful. And that also connects to the infinite consciousness, to God. And so these are all like, you know, yeah. and it never fails. Whenever I pull something, it's just kind of like perfect for the topic of the episode. Mm. Yeah, overcoming fear, it's, it, it is important. <laughs> you may have to get this button, but yes. So, thank so you. Uh, we, what did we, what did, uh, I don't know. Thank you so much. And I want to encourage again the listeners and the viewers on this computer here. Hi, and to check out Quantum Nurse That Life and the podcast. And in my language, I say Mabalos, that means thank you. Mahalos? Mabalos. Mabalos. But you always go to Hawaii. So it's like Hawaii, it's like Mahalo. Mahalo. Mabalos. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, Josh. Thanks. Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. Thanks for having me. Okay. I don't know what happened with